Welcome to the Spiritual AF Life Podcast, a magical place where your host, Heather Danielle, psychic medium, will bring the mystical woo-woo world down to earth in practical ways. Tune in every Monday for your weekly reading and on Wednesdays to hear fascinating conversations with spiritual experts, uplifting stories, and deep dives into the metaphysical world, all to help you tap into the invisible guidance that's all around you. It's time to start living a spiritual AF life. Get cozy. The conversation is starting now. So this podcast episode is definitely long overdue. I really want to share with you parts of my life and a little bit of my life story because I really feel it's going to help you out. It might help you feel like you're not so alone. It also may validate some of your feelings. It will help you see too that other people have had a lot of trauma, maybe just like you, and a lot of challenges just like you, and it might give you some ideas on how to cope, how to get help, and then also what you can do by changing that trauma into something maybe more beautiful in a way. Don't worry, if you're not following that, I'm going to walk you through it as we talk. And it also might help you see how much stronger the challenges that you went through in your life have made you stronger, how it made you a better person and has also helped you become a light for other people. So I want to get started first though by giving you a warning and a trigger warning because this can be a difficult topic. I'm going to try not to go into many details, but sometimes I think it's important to share a little bit of those things that have happened a little bit more detailed just so other people can understand and get it and be like, yes, I know that feeling. It wasn't the exact same situation, but it was that feeling. And I totally resonate with that. And it could even help you heal it. Okay, so definitely take care of yourself during this episode. If you need to take a break, if you need to pause, if you need to fast forward, go ahead and do that. This is all up for all up to you, okay? And I am just here sharing my story because I think that it could be helpful in sharing it. Let's just dive right into it. So grab your drink or get cozy because here we go. Now, many of you know that I'm a psychic medium now and I am almost like living my best life. I'm literally living a life that I have never ever dreamt that I could live. I never thought that I was going to be a psychic medium. I never thought I was going to have a beautiful house. Heck, I didn't even think I was ever going to have a freaking car that could get me to point A to point B without freaking falling apart. I have literally bought cars for $200, okay? I have been in those... What are those called? Car washes where half of my car has literally fallen apart. I was in this one car wash with this one car that I had. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh my God, is my car even going to make it through this car wash? That's how bad this car was. Spoiler alert, it did. It actually survived it. But when I came out the other end, uh, there was parts of my car hanging on by just like one uh, screw. It was really kind of funny after the fact, after I realized that, okay, I'm not going to be sitting there like soaking wet because my car just fell apart inside of a a freaking uh, car wash. So anyways, it's a lot of fun sometimes when you look back on it. And when I look back on some of the toughest times of my life, they were so tough, but they were also kind of sometimes really funny. So I don't know if any of your own memories are coming back when I say that, but for me, I remember, I don't know why, but we needed to change the tires on the truck that we had. And I don't know how, but, or why we were doing this. Maybe two tires went flat at the same time and we needed to get them fixed. And we didn't have another car. It was our only car. So we had to take four tires. Maybe it's only two, but I remember four. It had to be four because it was two each because it was really funny trying to roll these tires across nine mile and with all this traffic happening and it's really hard to roll tires across the street (laughs) and so like I have two of them and my boyfriend at the time, he had two of them and we're trying to like roll these tires and they're like going everywhere and he was so mad. I think that he hated that we were having to do this. I think that he hated how we looked, you know, because people are probably laughing at us 
us. But honestly, nobody was laughing more than I was in that moment because I just remember being like, yep, this is my life, <laughs> you know, like it was so funny. But anywho, I wanted to kind of take you back to this beautiful day in 1983 when I was born. Wait, no, that was a little too early. No, actually, it's not that early because this is something very, very interesting. And I wonder if you have a little bit of this uh, within yourself or you have heard tales about when you were a child. But when I was born, I don't know really what happened. I probably should have gotten that information before my mom passed. But what ended up happening was I got really, really sick and I was in the hospital. I guess the story goes that I was actually in the hospital sick for my first Christmas. So I spent Christmas in the hospital. There's pictures of my mom playing with me as a baby um, in the hospital. And one day when my mom came to visit me, there was a priest standing over me. And she said, oh my God, I thought that he was giving you your last rites. He, she's like, I just completely fell apart. And up until recently, that memory didn't really stick with me but then a part of me is like oh my god was he blessing me did he help bless my life you know is it because of that moment the reason why that I am such a spiritual person now and I feel so close to God or was his blessing helping me get through everything that I was going to have to get through especially in my childhood and young, young adulthood so anyways, I loved that story and I think back on it and I'm like, man, I do like to think that the pastor there or the priest, I should say, actually the priest um, really helped me out. So anyways, I have seven brothers and sisters. They range from my oldest sister is probably in her early 40s and my youngest sister is like 21. And we all have different dads except for the first two and the last two. So we all have like different dads inside of there. And the reason why that this is really important is because growing up, I never knew my father. All I had was his name, literally nothing else. And I would always watch those Montel Williams shows and things like that, how they found their father and that kind of thing. But I didn't even have a picture of my father. Like, I'm like, seriously, guys, like you couldn't have just gone in a freaking photo book. I guess my parents were married. After my mom passed, I saw all the freaking pictures of their wedding. But I'm like, you could didn't have had this one little picture for me to look at growing up because I had never seen my dad. I didn't actually meet him until I was about 18. And believe it or not, it was my abusive husband that actually called him up, found him, and got him to meet me when we were living in Alabama. So crazy story there. So growing up, it was a very, very difficult, okay, because my mom was a single mom and she was definitely lost and she really did not know how to pay bills, okay, because we were getting evicted every single time we turned around. Like, that's all we did. So we would move into a place just long enough to get evicted. So whatever my mother gave you at that move-in time, you weren't going to see another penny. And then we were going to get evicted. So it got really old. And one thing that really got to me was I was never able to hold on to any items because we would always be fishing trying to find them in the trash in the dumpster like I don't know how many times like all my Barbies and things like that were just in the dumpster and now they're ruined and it kind of sucked always having to do that and it really sucked too having to like go to school thinking everything is hunky-dory and then coming home and guess what you don't have a home we're not going to a home anymore we're going to be living at this hotel because, you know, luckily somebody gave us some money because if not, we're going to the homeless shelter and that would freaking suck. And then I would literally drive by the house where all of my toys and my clothes are on the side of the road. And I wanted to be a few times like, hey, can we just stop really quick and just let me get a couple of things? But it's like, no. So whatever I had on my back when I went to school that day, guess what? That's all I had. And so until recently, my husband didn't even notice. I was like... I love to have things that are worn and battered and used because I never really got to keep anything for that long growing up. Things always happened and I never got to keep anything. And so it was, now I can think back on it and laugh a little bit. Like there was this one doll I had, Cabbage Patch Dolls. Let me know, were you into them? I totally was. And I had Laura and Laura was my everything. And she was one of those dolls that I would take with me wherever I went so that I didn't have to worry if she left one day, except for 
we were moving one day. Shocker, right? We were moving because that's what we did. And they talked me into putting Laura in the back of the pickup truck with some of the other items that we had. And I really didn't want to, but I remember looking at Laura and I remember telling her, I'm like, hey, I did not, you know, change you out of your pajamas, but don't worry. I'm going to change you out of your pajamas and we're going to get you all situated once we get to the new house. Guess what? Laura never made it. Apparently, Laura flew out the back of the pickup truck. Now, I told a story later on to some people. They start laughing. They're like, wow, can you imagine driving down the freeway and having a baby doll fly out? Like, that would freak you out. I'm like, oh, man, poor Laura. So wherever Laura is, I send her lots of love, and she gave me lots of love. And I am definitely one of those people that think that Dr. Seuss quote, which is, Don't be sad that it's over. Smiled because it happened. And I got to have a lot of time with my doll, Laura. Now, okay, think to yourself if your child did this, okay? If your child did this, would you get them into therapy or would you have a talk with them? Here's what I did. So I got another two dolls. These are probably much, much time later, okay? This is probably now fast forward, maybe eight years old or so. And I got two dolls for like Christmas or something. And I'm like, that's it. I am going to name these dolls names that I absolutely hate. George and Cynthia. So I'm sorry if your name is George and Cynthia. But George and Cynthia, because I'm like, you know what? In life, you are going to have to suck it up. And you can't always have things that you like. So you cannot have two nice dolls with two nice names. Oh, no, 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 no. That is not how life works. You have got to embrace the freaking suck. And that's what I did. I was like, you know what? I do not like the name George and Cynthia. So guess what? Those are my dolls' names. (laughs) Thinking back, I'm like, Heather, why don't you just like enjoy the moment? No, there are no moments to be enjoyed. Okay. And I think that honestly... I kind of think that it helped me out a little bit because at this moment in my life, there was a lot of stuff happening and then a lot of bad things about to happen. So one of the other things too that's very unique about my circumstance is not only did we move around and get evicted all the time and we're homeless all the time and we would always go back to my grandma's apartment. So then there's like 12 of us living in a little two bedroom, you know, apartment. It was freaking crazy. But what ended up happening though is my mom got involved with a lot of men that maybe she shouldn't have. A lot of men who are involved in drugs and, you know, weird things and always got themselves into trouble. And so, oh my God, she actually married one of her husbands while he was in jail. And we have the pictures and everything. He's at the county jail and my mom always liked to go with me. So she'd like to have me go with her to visit him while he was in jail and things like that. And I'm not sure what else was going on around this time. And also when I was a little bit younger, but I got a lot of subpoenas to go to court. So I spent a lot of my younger years, like younger than eight or nine years old in the court. Cause I remember being bored to death, you know, watching all these people testify and things like that. And I really don't remember what for. I do remember though, getting money. So I remember getting a check like when I was like seven years old or whatever. And it was probably for like $7 or whatever because I went to court and I spent the whole entire day there. So I got some of that money. Don't worry, my mom spent it because that's what she usually did. She would always like take back our our birthday presents and things like that. And, you know, maybe she did use them for things that are needed, right? Maybe she did. Um, So I had to give her a little bit of, you know, leniency there because maybe times were really tough and maybe those California raisin shoes needed to go back. That was traumatizing for me because they made me think that I lost them for years and I did not lose them. And they were the best freaking shoe I have ever owned. And I only owned them for... I don't know. I I didn't get to wear them. I I just got to bring them home and then I never saw them again. (laughs) So by the way, as I tell you these stories, don't feel bad for me. Okay. Don't feel bad for me because I am going to tie this all into how this made me a better person. And don't get mad at my mom either because my mom was a lost soul and she is helping me out on the other side. And she was truly one of my greatest teachers. But one thing that I do have to say is As kids, we perceive something happening in our eyes. 
maybe not even when you're as a kid as of right now. You might be seeing things through your own eyes and we don't really see a lot of times the other people's viewpoint because maybe my mom got me those California raisin shoes, which by the way, we never, ever, ever had anything new. Uh, never, ever, ever. And I will tell you more about where we got our stuff from. So then when I got those California Asian shoes, that was like amazing. Like that was a dream come true. Like OMG, WTF, I am going to be like the coolest person in the school, in the world, because I have these freaking cool shoes and they were white and they had a little bit of pink and they had the raisins on the side and I was going to be living my best life in them. But what if, and I really don't know what happened, but what if when she came home, all of a sudden, like that bill collector was like, we need this now and ASAP or whatever it is. And then she had no choice but to try to scrounge up as much money that she could get from wherever, even if that includes taking back her daughter's present. You know, I know it sounds bad, but sometimes you do get into those situations where you got to make the most of it and you got to do some things that maybe you wouldn't want to do, like break into your kid's piggy bank or their college fund or whatever it is. So we do have to give a little bit of leniency and also understanding that we may not notice other people's point of view. Okay, so this sounds sad, but honestly, it was so great. And maybe you did this too, but we couldn't afford to even go to the thrift store because yeah, who has money for that? Have you, like even now, like have you seen some of the prices, but whatevs. My mom would wait outside the Salvation Army in Royal Oak, if you guys know that um, location. And what she would do is that she would wait until they throughout all of their excess inventory and then she would go through and grab bags and that's how we would get our school clothes and stuff like that but instead of being sad about it we were really happy so my mom would come home with all these garbage bags full of basically all these dumpster clothes but we didn't freaking give a crayer you know we were like a yes oh winning and no joke I will see if I can find it but I got this cutest freaking dress I mean I love this dress and it was like flowers and I got my school pictures taken with it. It was from the dumpster diving at the Salvation Army. But y'all, guess what? I did not know that I was wearing the dress backwards like the whole time. Like I don't think that I realized that I was wearing this dress backwards until like decades later. I will see if I can find a picture and I will put it on my social media somewhere. So definitely be on the lookout because that would just be so much fun to see that picture and to share it with you. And so anyways, around this same time, I turned 10. And of course, our birthdays were actually truly pretty special. So on Sundays, we'd go to my grandma's house and they would smoke a lot, like smoke cigarettes, of course, right? In the 80s, we, they didn't care in the 90s. And they would all play poker and it would be a lot of fun. And my Aunt Leslie would always make us a birthday cake themed with whatever we want themed usually. Um, and we got to pick our inside of our cake. I'm just curious, what is your favorite cake? So is it chocolate? Is it vanilla? For me, it was always confetti, 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 confetti forever. It just was like, I don't know, a birthday cake inside of a birthday cake. Well, on the birthday itself, you there was nothing special about it. And so on my 10th birthday, this is seriously how the story goes. I am chilling by myself. At the time, I don't believe that anybody is home. I am in a ghetto part of Royal Oak. Now, if you guys don't know Royal Oak, Michigan, it is actually known as a trendy spot. Not really a bad spot. But the place that I lived at was a bad spot. In fact, it was so bad, they ended up tearing it down. And that is now where like the city hall is and also a parking lot. <laughs> That's what they made out of it. So if you know where the farmer's market is, it was in that area. They had tore down all of the apartment complexes and all the buildings. And the funny thing is I lived at several locations inside of that area. In fact, my first boyfriend, he was in foster care because he had tried to burn down his family's house. Um, I guess like they were in it and stuff like that and so he went into the foster care system and you know we fell in love obviously and I don't know I never heard from him again but anyway I was 10 years old and I was like you know what nobody is here nobody is around and there is a mattress next to the dumpster now my mom really didn't like us going on that side because there was a halfway house with a lot of drug users and things like that so she really didn't want us hanging around that area even though she ended up marrying one of those drug users that lived in that halfway house. But you know what? That's beside the point. So I wanted to go over there because there was a mattress that somebody threw out on the dumpster. And I was like, oh my God, 
I can fulfill my life's dream of jumping on a mattress. Like, I don't know about you, but my mom never let me jump on a mattress, you know? Like, you know how you see it in those movies and the whole family is happy and they're having a pillow fight jumping up and down on a mattress. Like, what house did they grow up on? Because guess what? That was not part of this one, okay? So I decide that I am going to go jump on this mattress. Well, one of the girls from nearby... She's like, oh, Heather, I want to play doctor. And I'm like, I think that you're weird, okay? I don't even know how to play doctor. She's like, look, I found these needles. Well, at the time, I didn't know they were like heroin needles that people used to shoot up. Like, I didn't really care. And by the way, I don't really like playing with needles, especially real needles. And so anyway, she's like, okay, I'm going to find some trees and we're going to stick some trees with these needles. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're doing, girlfriend. I'm just over here to jump on this dang mattress. So when she leaves me, I take one of the needles that she finds and I throw it into like the grass area. And it was so funny because I threw it and I look over and the needle like literally landed like right in the ground. And so now it's sticking up off of the ground. And I'm just like, oh my God, like there's no way she's not going to see that freaking needle. So she comes back and she's like, where's the needle at? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like I dropped it or something. Guess what? She sees the freaking needle and she goes and gets it. And she's like, wanting to play doctor. And I'm like, you know what? Like you can play by yourself because I got some jumping on this mattress to do. Okay. This mattress is not going to jump by itself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll be honest with you, I couldn't even jump on the mattress. Like it was still too big of a deal for me. So I just was dancing on the mattress at this point. <laughs> I was just dancing on it. And so I actually had my back to her. You might actually feel where this is going, aren't you? So I am dancing on this mattress and she comes up from behind me. And I didn't know at first what happened, but what she did what she got really mad at me and she took one of those needles and she stabbed me in the back with it and the needle penetrated into one of my lungs and when she pulled the needle out I guess that she took it and she threw it back into the dumpster and so I was like oh my god so <laughs> so my mom wasn't home nobody was home or well actually my aunt Judy was home my aunt Juju shout out to her she actually took a really good care of me and she was circling like where the wound was where the needle got inserted and things like that and was really taking really good care of me in fact when my mom got home you know the police were already on their way I have no idea why it took them so long, but whatever. They were on their way. And my mom was like, she had to get dressed and she had to curl her hair. And like, I remember looking up and my aunt, like taking all these pictures being like, get down here. Your daughter needs you. And my mom's like, wait a second. I got to get my hairspray in. But then a part of me was like, well, it would be nice if she got with the police officer, you know, because maybe our life would get a little bit better. <laughs> so anyways, long story short, um, they could never find what needed needle was used to stab me with because when they went into the dumpster there was so many different kinds of needles and because she threw it in there I actually had to wait about five years to see if I had HIV or AIDS so that is a crazy crazy freaking story and I'm not sure if you know this but in that area where that I threw that needle is right outside of the farmer's market and there used to be a little divot there and when it rained it would become like a pool and my sister was a rebel and she would go swimming in that pool but my mom said to never go swimming in that pool because it could be full of needles but she never told me to watch out for needles outside of the swimming pool area like by the dumpster but do you see what I mean I should have listened to my mom because my mom told me not to play in that area <laughs> So let me know what side are you on? Are you on my mom's side because she told me not to play in that area? Or are you on my side and be like, Heather was just trying to live her best life and it was her birthday. <laughs> so I hope that that is like a little bit of like a fun story. Okay, it's not really fun. <laughs> but like, hey, it had a good ending. Okay, so now the next thing that I want to talk about is yeah it was rough so if you think about it growing back and forth a lot of freaking crap and there was like a lot of stuff with my mom and the places that we lived and it was just a back and forth kind of deal but one thing always remained the same and that was my grandma's place so my grandma's place was lexington village loved lexington village apartment complexes where my grandma moved in she moved in there in 1990 and she stayed there until the day she passed so that was
was one thing that we always had that security of going back to grandma's house. I can't even tell you like how many Christmases or Christmas Eves and things like that. It was like, yep, let's go out in the middle of the night and go to grandma's house. Like, you know, I told you my mom married that guy that was like living in the halfway house. Well, get this. He got let off on work release one night and my mom did not have her roster of guys like lined up. And guess what? The one guy came to say, see her. And guess what? Her husband was home and I don't know, there was guns involved. The next thing that I know, like one of them apparently pistol whips the other one and then that one takes off and like literally drives through this big privacy fence and that privacy fence got like dragged into like the main road on like 13 mile road. And all I remember was getting picked up from my grandmother and my grandmother telling us like not to look around. And I am like, it looks like a tornado hit the outside of here. And so I just have to tell you again, a little reminder, and I said this at my mom's memorial service, was with her going back and forth with so many men and things like that, like you can look at it like a Liv Taylor kind of situation. But the thing is, my mom never gave up on love. Like she was always trying to find, you know, somebody that would really like, you know, warm her heart and make her happy. So I don't have any animosity at all towards her. And sometimes I think back on how I would really like my childhood. Would I like my childhood being like all perfect and fine and dandy and I get freaking ponies and we all just go to Disney World together? Like, yeah, that would have been nice. But, you know, that's a good story. But my story is like, I don't know, like a lifetime freaking movie, you know, and I survived all this. And so it's like I got some badges of honor, you know, all over me. That's kind of like how I take it. But my grandma's house was always a sanctuary and my grandma was always a sanctuary. So no matter what kind of mess up stuff that my mom did, my grandma, I swear to God, was always cleaning it up. And my grandma lived with my Aunt Leslie, who is my mom's sister. In fact, though, I always thought Aunt Leslie and grandma were like sisters, even though they're mother and daughter. So anyways, this is a story that I have been reluctant to tell because I know that can be really triggering. So trigger warning for anybody who has had like sexual abuse, okay? So anyways, there was this man living next to my grandma's apartment, right? He lived in an apartment next door. He had been basically a part of our family for many years. And so we would exchange Christmas gifts with him and things like that. And at this point, I believe like we had been living next to him for almost like a decade. It was a lot. So maybe around 1997, so seven or eight years. And one time we were stuck living at our grandma's house because we were in between places. And he was like, hey, I want to help you guys out. I can take the kids and I can take them here and there and get them out of the house, blow some steam off. And my family was like, yes, 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 yes. Go and do this with them. Well, things started getting a little bit creepy when we would hang out with him. And my little radar was going up. Basically, my intuition was telling me that something was up and something was wrong with him. But there was no logical reason on why I should have any kind of ill will towards this guy. But then what ended up happening was he started excluding just me and not my brothers, okay? And then he would take me out and then do, it was really weird, okay? I'm not gonna go into some of those specifics, but I remember going over to his house. He had me trying this bathing suit one time. And I mean, oh my God, like it was completely open on the sides. It was like a skippiest bathing suit you would ever have seen around this time. And I think I am like 13 years old. I'm like, this guy is weird. And then he was all like, take a shower, take a shower, take a shower. I'm like, why the heck would I take a shower at your house? I'm like, my grandma lives two feet. Like we share a freaking wall. I think you're a weirdo. Okay, whatever. And so did his nieces and nephews. So all of his nieces and nephews would come over all the time and hang out. And after a while, I remember one time, when the last times that I seen this guy, we were sitting there chilling and stuff like that at his house. And I really wanted to leave. But the girl, she was like, don't leave me here alone with him. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I got bad vibes too. And then we're like, what does your parents say? It's like, oh, my parents say nothing. Or I didn't tell them. And so all of us kids, we all knew that something was going on. But even if we did tell our parents, they would think like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Like mine did. Like, what do you mean? No, you're fine. And like my family was all like, oh, he's buying you expensive things and he's taking you to cool places so you should do it and I'm like are you serious right now because I just got bad juju but as you probably have guessed my grandma's 
loved me and she would always have my back. So she's like, Heather, if you don't want to hang out with him, you don't have to. And I'm like, oh, thank you, grandma. So me and grandma were doing her laundry downstairs in the basement and we were coming up one day and I'll never forget this because there was people taking a whole bunch of computers out of his house and we were like, okay, it's probably his family, you know, his family is, you know, maybe moving or whatever, helping him move because they were just all people in regular clothes. And well, as soon as we got to my grandma's door, one of these guys walked by with one of the computers and he looks at me and he's like, Heather? And I was like, yeah, hi. And my grandmother, love her to death, pushed me in the apartment complex so fast. Now, from my little brain, I think that my grandma was like, yeah, we don't want Heather exposed to anything that's going on in that freaking house. I don't know what's going on. Maybe she actually did know something. But it was only a couple minutes later, knock, 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 and the Madison Heights Police Department was at the door. We're like, we need to speak, speak to Heather, the parents of Heather, that kind of thing. And then after that moment, this case blew up. It blew up all of Metro Detroit. I'm not sure if you were around around that time, but it was on the front page of every newspaper. You couldn't turn on the news without hearing about it. My family ended up going uh, and realizing that he had hurt a lot of boys and girls, all of different ages and everything. And the police finally caught on to him because one of his nieces told her mom that he had a hidden camera inside of his shower. Think about that. This is 1997. The technology was not that small like it is now. So it was very impressive. Come to find out he had hidden cameras all over the house and the, including they had he had video footage of me and things like that in the swimsuit all sorts of crazy things and then he would um, sell it sometimes over child pornography sites and things like that my stepfather and my mom actually went through the trash apparently he knew that the police were onto him and he threw out a whole bunch of pictures of him with little boys, little girls, and the alike. So I spent a lot of time at the police station going ahead and trying to identify different boys and girls and things like that that he had pictures of. Sadly, I wasn't able to identify a lot of them, but it was ended up being um, just so incredibly crazy. I think that he ended up getting over 20 years and he actually just got out. So maybe it was actually over 20 years. I think that he was indicted in like 1998, well, arrested around 97, 98. And then um, I think he got out in 2016 or something along those lines. So really, really close. But anyways, it was like a crazy time. And I remember the reporters always coming to the house, wanting to talk to my parents. And I'm like, no, like I don't want anybody knowing I'm affiliated with this because guess what? That's what they were talking about in school. And then I didn't want anybody to know that I was associated with them. And I remember one time a friend dropped me off at my grandma's house and they're like, oh, did you let that man touch you? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, no, he was a couple buildings away, even though, no, like he was right there. This is the correct building. Like I remember one time they were doing a live segment on the news right outside my grandma's apartment and my little brother runs out and opens the door. And I'm like, you know what? Like, you could see him in the news, like, opening the freaking door. Like, there's Heather's freaking brother. Like, I swear, I'm not sure if I did, but I hope I gave him the biggest beating ever. And yes, I used to beat up my siblings. Don't worry. They got some beating up too. You know, shout out if you're a sibling beater. But then... What ended up happening was at school, they started talking about it and they're all like, see, this is why you don't take showers at people's houses that you don't know and blah, 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 blah. It's like, what are you talking about? We knew him. Like, I wanted to say this, but I'm like, oh my God, I knew him. I knew him. I knew him. My family knew him. And the reason, one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up right now in this detail is because that is one thing I'm passionate about is when we are dealing with people who are pedophiles and, you know, um, sexual predators, it's like, we really need to open our eyes to the fact that oftentimes it's people in the family, the, the people that your children know because they have to get the trust of your child in order to do anything. So even though I can respect families and things like that, not wanting to wear, live near where a pedophile lives, the thing is that one's already been caught. You don't have to worry about them. Just don't let your kid go over to their freaking house. But other than that, it's going to be somebody who is in the freaking family or a good friend of the family. That's who you have to freaking watch out for. That's something I'm passionate about. So anyways, end rant there. And that is a story that I know that some of us were 
you know, some of you were interested in knowing a little bit about. So I think that is basically the gist of that. At the same time, though, I was noticing that there was a lot of bad things happening in my life, but then also there was a lot of good things because around the exact same time that I was going through these trials and things like that, having to like testify, which I don't think they they had me testify in that court hearing, which was really amazing. I thought that was really good. I think that they didn't want to put the kids on the stands like that, especially in front of him. It could be very traumatizing. So I never actually testified, but my mom did go to all the court hearings and everything. And so around that same time is when I got the call to be on the Murray Povit show. So the Murray Povit show was not my baby's daddy thing back then. He was very much like Montel Williams and Oprah and things like that. And I have a tendency to talk fast in case you didn't know. And I can talk really, really, really fast. I will see if I can put some snippets up on some of my social media so you can see it in case you haven't. Um, but yeah, so I was going through that. So I was like, man, with every bad thing, there's a good thing. And I remember going through that and thinking that and then there's just like too many bad things. And I was just like, whatever. But my my life really took a different turn when we moved to Virginia, when my stepfather joined the Navy and we became a Navy brat and things were really amazing. When I moved to Virginia, I moved to Virginia Beach and it was great and I dropped out of high school and so I only finished the 10th grade and that in itself is another crazy story and bam, I ended up meeting this guy. I was able to move out at 17 as soon as my family, my mom said, hey, we won't call the cops, you can leave. Uh, I was like sweet and I left, I moved in with him. We didn't have any electricity though. But that was okay because we had candles and we didn't have hot water or anything like that. It was like crazy. And some some days, like, man, it was kind of rough. But I would have to take like a taxi cab to two buses to get to work. Sometimes the I couldn't afford the taxi. So I would have to walk a couple miles to take a bus to take another bus transfer to get to work. And it was, oh my gosh, it was so rough. But I worked at Shoney's restaurant. And it was honestly, sometimes I think back on it, and it was like so much fun. Like I had one of my besties named Brian who worked there. And he just made working there so much fun. I absolutely freaking loved it. And I ended up then moving to Georgia and, you know, me and my boyfriend, the one who living with electricity, we got married, but the abuse started happening when I was pregnant with my son and it got really, really bad in the boondocks of South Georgia because I was really by myself. And I remember the first time that he got arrested and I want to say around this time, like, I'm like, wow, I am so happy that I lived because that day when I was calling 911, I was confessing everything because I didn't think that I was going to live by the time that the sheriff's department arrived. Uh, spoiler alert, I did. Thank God that I did. And I remember that day walking out onto my porch and it was nighttime. He had, uh, he had spent the night in jail, like he was already gone. And I remember thinking like, looking up and being like, why God, why are you doing this to me? Why? Like, did I do something wrong? Like, why is this but then at the same time, I realized that I was living a life that was not mine. I was not meant to do this. I was not meant to be here. And I was disrupting the flow. And it was almost like God could not make it more obvious to me that I was not meant to be in the predicament that I was in. I was keeping myself there, not him. And so it was really a crazy thing because no one in my family knew that I was going through any kind of physical abuse. And also the mental abuse was really, really bad. And so I called up my mom. And so here's a redemption story for her. She ended up driving from Virginia Beach and coming and picking me up at South Georgia. I lived out in the boondocks. I lived across from Texas Longhorns. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. It was also an incredible experience. I'm really happy that I lived there. And she picked me up, me and Mason, and she took us back. And I got to stay in her house for a little while. And then I moved back up here to Michigan for a little bit. And then I think I do what everybody does that is going through this. And I went back to him. I literally flew back to South Georgia because I was like, you know what? I want a little bit more of this. <laughs> and so... I ended up living there for a little while and then we ended up breaking up a little bit going into Tennessee and then I ended up making my way back here to Michigan where I got my own place and my whole life set up and then I was like you know what I think we needed to give it another chance and then he moved up here to Michigan to be with me. <laughs> But when the abuse didn't stop, I was like, okay, I think it's about time. And I remember trying to leave him was like crazy. Okay, here, I'm going to tell you the story of how I officially left like the last time. 
and for the last time. At this point, we had been married for five years, together for about seven years. And this is what I had to do. I just was like sitting in class. By this time, I had gotten my GED and I had wanted to work with kids and I was told to try and find a daycare that I could work at or something like that to see if I actually really liked working with kids and I did but when I started the week later they were like Heather we're requiring everybody to get their CDA which is a child development associate so you need to go down and start applying for those classes and I'm like no I won't be able to and guess what everything worked out and I started fulfilling my dream of getting a college degree like oh my god and now having someone like me that I loved school. I always did so good in it. I never ever thought that I would ever be a college dropout. I was planning on going to college. I was planning on all these things and my life just took a different turn. But I love that. And I always wanted to wear a cap and gown. I always wanted that. And so um, now, as you're listening to me, I do have my CDA, which is my child development associates. I also have my associate's degree in early childhood education. And then I also have my bachelor's degree now in early childhood education and development. So like I definitely did really good. So just in case you need a little pick me up during all of these like crazy freaking stories, just know it does all have a happy ending. But as I'm sitting there now in class, because remember, my, my new job is requiring me to do this, they say to me, like, they don't say anything to me. One of my teachers came and spoke at this class that I was in, so a different class I was in, and then she left. And then I started thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that my son is being affected by the abuse that I'm going through, even though he himself is not being physically abused, nor do I really think that he's seen any of it. He was still very young at the time. I think that he was four years old. He was four years old when we broke up. So I ran to my teacher, and this is a cool story. I ran to my teacher's office and I ended up spilling the beans to her about everything that was going on in my relationship and stuff. And long story short, she was said to me, she was like, do you have a place to stay? And I'm like, no, my family all lives like an hour away because I was living in Flint at the time. I was like, they live about an hour away. And I'm like, they're toxic. They're not good people. Like I can't go living there. Like my life would be even worse. And then she ended up saying to me, she's like, well, me and my husband have a place for you to stay if you want it. She was like, in fact, just this morning, we were like, asking and praying to God to send somebody that would need it. And then you just walked into my office and I'm like, oh my God. I thought that was like so incredibly amazing and cool. So I spent the whole entire summer at my teacher's house saving up money so that I could get my own apartment um, with me and Mason um, by the time fall happened and it did happen. But when I went to go leave him, so now I talk to my teacher, I have a place to line up and things like that. Now I have to leave him. Well, one good thing that I had on my side was that he was a very, very deep sleeper. So he was still sleeping one morning. I think he was sleeping on the couch and I took Mason, which wasn't weird at all. You know, I took Mason, but this time I took him to the childcare center that I worked at and they knew me obviously because I worked there. And then they also knew Mason's dad. And I said, Hey, uh, stuff is going down. This is what's happening in my relationship and I need to leave and I need to leave now. I was like, I need to go back and just get a bag of stuff. And I didn't want to take the bag with me at the time when me and Mason left because I didn't want him waking up and seeing me like leaving him with Mason there. I didn't want him to be exposed to that. So I went ahead and I said, hey, if I am not back in an hour, call the police because something has happened. I was like, or I was like, if his father comes to pick him up, call the police because something has happened to me. And I remember sneaking in that apartment and the phone kept on ringing and I did not know how to turn off the freaking phone. So I remember having to take the phone and then hide it underneath the freaking mattress. And then I took a whole big garbage bag full of stuff. That's all I could grab. And then I ran out of the house. Now, spoiler alert, one time I did go back to that house when I found out that he was getting evicted and I was like, hey, let me just get a couple more of Mason's things and he, while he was not home. And so I went there and got it and I almost didn't live that time. I was screaming at the top of my lungs for anybody to hear me to call 911. Like it was bad. He had smashed my phone. Like it was and when I mean like smash my phone, just know too, there was also a lot of physical abuse happening too, but I'm not going to go into those details, but I did survive and Mason survived. And this might be a little bit funny. I don't know if you'll find it funny, but I do thinking back on it. So I left him and I remember being like, okay, we're free. We found a place to stay, all those things. But I'm like, I don't think that he knows that I left him. 
Yeah, I might have to like call him up because I didn't even leave a note or anything. So I call him up and then I'm like, is he going to answer? And then I'm like, no, the phone is underneath the mattress. <laughs> and then I'm like, how is he even going to find the phone? <laughs> and so I remember saying like, hey, you know, it's over, you know, like officially and that kind of thing. And now thinking back on, I just think that's kind of like a funny way, but when I was going through the YWCA for my divorce, because I didn't have any freaking money. Come on, you know, like I'm broker than a joke. I can't afford a freaking divorce. They helped me and they helped me even do it myself. And it was amazing. And I remember, you know, filling out all the forms that they told me to do to in order to see if the judge would waive some of the fees for me. And I remember dropping it off and being like, okay, if I am meant to divorce him, if this is meant to end, then please, please, please have the judge sign off on this waiver so that I don't have to spend that money because I don't have it. And that means I can't get divorced then. And then I remember that day that I went in, I grabbed my papers and I found out that the judge did approve it. And I walked out of that police station looking up at the sky being like, oh my God, oh my God, is this the right path? It has to be because even though I feel bad getting divorced and I feel like it's an ending, I think that maybe this is how my life is supposed to be. And spoiler alert, it is. Totally, 1,000%. It was meant to be. Now, I went back to that courthouse a lot because there was a lot of freaking, what is it called, uh, emergency protection orders and things like that because believe me he doesn't he did not go down without a freaking fight okay so there was a lot more where that came from in fact like sometimes I think back and I'm like oh my god this is kind of like a lifetime movie you know there was an incident at the storage facility where I thought that I could be cordial and I was literally screaming for my life again like it was crazy and then I get with this other guy and you know we fell in love and he was like my fiance and all those things and things got bad 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 and then when I thought that I couldn't have been hurt anymore from you know my son's father like this one was way 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 worse in a way and scarier in a way too that one I almost did die like by a different way and I remember hearing my son's voice in my mind as I'm basically I'll just say I feel like I'm being killed okay we'll say that and I remember being like I'm never ever going to see him again I can hear his voice and there was nothing I could do but pray 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 that I was going to survive and live oh my god and I did and I'm not sure how you guys are with this but it's really crazy because with that guy I ended up breaking up with him thank god okay and it didn't go very well because he ended up stalking me so there's some more you know um emergency protection orders you know so I was like just full of them in fact by the time I met my husband now he's like man how many stalkers have you had I'm like I am rolling in the stalkers okay if you want someone that's had stalkers that would be me <laughs> but that man he ended up um, getting killed in a motorcycle accident. Like not even, I think it was like a year or something like that after we broke up. And then now he's one of my spirit guides. And if you don't know that story, I will link it in the show notes. But yes, that was a crazy freaking time. But now, now you know a lot of my story, okay? Like, and believe me, I'm just like hitting the freaking highlights. And there's probably some highlights that I didn't even freaking hit, okay? There's been a lot of stuff. But when I met my husband now, I remember thinking and feeling this is a safe place for me because I could tell that he would never hurt me. There's some guys, and I'm not sure if you can tell this, but some guys you can just tell they will never ever hit a woman. Like you could just tell they are sweethearts. They are teddy bears. They are really just sweethearts. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, even if they got drunk, like they would never hurt you. And that's how I felt with him with my husband. I'm like, he'll never, ever hurt me. And I, I think that subconsciously or maybe in my soul, I knew that he was a, I don't know, he was just this sanctuary for me. And that's the reason why that I feel that my body just gave out and started having the seizures. And, you know, God was basically like, Heather, guess what? You got to start healing from all of this. You got to start, stop carrying it around. You got to start healing from this. You got to start, stop thinking that everything was okay. You got to, you got to like clean it up. 
And that's what ended up happening. Ended up having my seizures, went in and out of the hospital a lot, trying to figure out what was wrong. That's when I started meditating because I had no choice because, you know, I wanted to drive again. Every time you had a seizure, guess what? You got to wait freaking six months. And my husband was... Um, raised differently than me and so he got raised by like the same parents that have been married for over 50 years literally everything that i just told you like it's black and white with him like he had the most secure upbringing it's like insane and i needed that i needed that and also maybe he needed someone like me that is just so full of spontaneity and craziness you know i always make fun of my husband and i am like man you could just have somebody that is just like you know cool calm and collective comes from a nice family but you were like, man, look at that girl. Look at that girl with all that trauma and craziness. More stalkers than anybody can count. Oh, yeah. Let me get let, let me sign up for some of that. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. But I know that he needs me as much as I need him because I bring a lot of fun to his life. And, you know, Phoebe off of Friends, like how she's like, oh, my life is so sad and all these bad things happen. He's like, Heather, you're just like freaking Phoebe. And I'm like, yeah but a part of me like wouldn't have had it any other way okay so I meet my husband and I'm starting to eat better I'm starting to meditate more and then I'm able to heal a lot of these things that I thought wasn't bothering me because if you're anything like me when you go through challenges or traumas or anything like that you kind of just push them away you don't even care you just act like it's not that big of a deal but the thing is you can't do that because you really need to process it because it's in your veins. It's like it's inside of your nervous system and things like that. Your body remembers whether or not you're consciously remembering. And I haven't read this book, but I heard it's really good. And it is Your Body Keeps the Score. I'll see if I can put it in the show notes. But I heard that's a really, really good, good book. But Anyways, you have to let those emotions out and you can't just run from it. So sometimes it's going to be very helpful to find a therapist. Like, believe me, I felt like my therapist needed therapy after talking to me. You know, I went through a lot of different therapists. So I think that that's something that maybe you will have to do too is just to find one that works for you. And don't just say like, oh, I tried one therapist. It didn't work. No. Like even my son's been in therapy and he went through a lot of different freaking therapists as well because you got to find one that really works for you. But Anyways, when my mom got sick and everything like that, that is when I really had to look at my past. And I had healed a lot. Like that man that I put in prison, I had healed from a lot of other betrayals and things like that that I went through. I had healed from that. But one thing I didn't do, and that is I didn't look at all of those challenges and things like that I went through as something that made me who I truly was. I look at myself and who I am now and I think back like what if I would have had like a mom and a dad that loved me and maybe if I had some security, what could I do with my life now? Like I would be so much better off. Like I would, oh my God, that'd be so cool. And then maybe I could do this and maybe I could do that. But I wouldn't be who I am right now if I would have had parents like that. If I would have had security, then maybe I wouldn't have been as creative with finding solutions as I am now. If I would have had somebody besides my grandmother be there for me, then I wouldn't have learned to be so independent. If I wouldn't have had all of those times of being evicted and blah, 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 and losing all my stuff, maybe I wouldn't be as appreciative of all the things I do have right now. Maybe... If I wouldn't have went through all of that BS, maybe I would be ignorant to some of those bad things that do happen to people. I know one thing is for sure, that I would not have the understanding and the compassion that I have for people who come to me like for readings and things like that because I went through like a majority of crap that other people have went through. So it's like, no, I get you. I see you. I feel you. I know what you've been there and what you have done because I have been there myself. So I know what you went through. I know how that feels a little bit. Not saying that it feels the exact same because every each person takes things differently. But when my mom got sick, I was able to really freaking appreciate that. And I was able to appreciate her. And the one of the last things I said to her, I said, I am who I am because of you, not despite you. And I know that once I connected to her energy that first, first time when she got sick, 
I know that she was hating on herself for everything that she did because she didn't make the best choices, because she wasn't the best this, because she wasn't the best that. But the thing is, because she who, because she was who she was, is the reason that I am who I am. And just like my father, being absent and never there and all those other things, you know, creating those abandonment issues. Yeah, freaking did, 1,000%. But because he didn't come and rescue me, because he stayed absent, I was able to experience everything that I experienced and that I was able to become strong and independent. And because some of those other things happened to me, I was able to realize that other people might have their own viewpoint, but nothing is as important than paying attention to yourself and your intuition. And if you have a feeling about something, then you just go with it. I don't care if you are right or wrong because it means more to honor yourself and what you think than to make other people happy. And that is something, as you could tell, I'm very passionate about. I will never, ever, ever get put into positions and predicaments and things like that because of what other people say. I might get put in those positions and those predicaments, but it's going to be over myself. It's going to be because I put myself there. And guess what? That's going to be a learning opportunity for me. And one thing that I really, really, really learned with all the bad guys that got put into my life is that they are playing a role. They are playing a role in my life and they might be playing a role in your life. And I am thankful and I am grateful that I got to learn. Now, am I grateful for what freaking happened? Mm, I don't know if I'm really that grateful. Maybe I haven't gotten to that part of my healing yet. But the thing is, is that they are souls that signed up for their crazy life. Maybe their messed up ways and things like that. Like that is just freaking nuts. And they're playing the bad guy. Somebody has to freaking play the bad guy. You know, we all want to play, be the good guy. Maybe you're the bad guy in somebody else's life. Do you ever think about that? So oftentimes that we have regrets or we mess up and things like that. So maybe we're the bad guy. Like right now, you might think that my mom is the bad guy in my life. But I, I know that she didn't really think that she was. I think that she tried. I think that she messed up and she realized that. But then I realized, wow, because of all these things, I am who I am. And I love who I am now because now I am more confident and I'm more assertive. And I'm not sure about you, but... Man, sometimes I talk to people and they have had the quintessential life. They grew up with parents that probably loved them maybe. And maybe they had birthday parties and maybe they had friends. And I want to be like, you know, go suck a duck. No, no, I don't want that kind of life because I want a colorful life. I want a life that's full of possibilities and craziness and things like that. I want to go to the other side and have my spirit guides be like, Dude, that was freaking crazy, like a roller coaster. And do you ever go down like the roller coaster where it's so fast and you feel like you're going down so quick and you are like, oh my God, this is the time where the roller coaster actually breaks and I really do die. Like that's life. Like you are going down, you're going down the trenches and you are going down so deep sometimes and you're going through some S-H-I-T, but guess what? Eventually... That roller coaster turns back up. And then you just start going around for some crazy ride. And you might have some twists and turns that are freaking amazing. And you might have some freaking more turns that scare the SHIT out of you. But to me, that's the kind of life I want to live. Because I did not come down here to this crazy, amazing, like, whoa, planet just to have a mundane, stereotypical life. I want to have a different life. I want to have a crazy life. I want to have a fun life. I want to take chances. I want to do fun things. I want to have different people in my life. Maybe I do want a couple more bad guys. Guess what? I'm better for this now because I got tools in my toolbox. I got confidence now. I got assertiveness now. I have learned things along the way and I got the tools. So when the next bad guy comes into my life, guess what? I am prepared. And microphone drop. What do you think? Are you feeling inspired yet? Are you feeling a little bit happy? Are you feeling like ready to go? Are you appreciating your life story right now? Maybe you haven't came to the part where I'm at where it's like, oh yeah, there are my teachers and blah, 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 blah. But maybe you're just like, man, maybe some of the things I went through did shape who I am. 
and maybe now it's time for me to see it in that sense so that I can have a better sense of self in my life. And then maybe, maybe, you know how I'm saying this because I'm about to say something that's fun. Maybe it will help you take some chances on some things that you have never done. That is one thing that I am doing now. And it's almost a little bit because of a lot of the rough things that I have went through. But it's like, man, I'm going to make the next part of my life the best life ever. And I am going to give myself a lot of really cool things and a lot of cool experiences and all that kinds of jazz because I freaking deserve it. And whether or not you went through a lot of stuff or not, you deserve everything that you want and so much more. You were sent down here to be spoiled. So I invite you to spoil yourself today. Give yourself something fun, okay? The fact that you're even listening to this tells me that you've already made it this far in this crazy human life and you deserve to do something fun. So what is it going to be? Are you going to buy those new shoes that you've been thinking about? Are you going to sign up for that membership? You know, are you going to travel here? Are you travel there? Are you going to take that weekend getaway? And who cares about the time, money, and all the other stuff? Who freaking cares? Just freaking do it. Go on a limb. Trust that your spirit guides will help you out. Trust that your angels will be there. Okay? All right, I can't wait to see and hear about what you do and how you treat yourself. And I hope that my vulnerability and that my story helps inspire you. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Spiritual AF Life Podcast. You'll find all the links to resources and more in the show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on the incredible episodes that are coming up.